Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, register for an upcoming event, or support the Christian Life ministry through our online giving portal. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message. Thank you once again for listening. for the mind. We're going to talk about the mind tonight. Everybody say, the mind. mind. Everybody say, that's my battlefield. battlefield. Everybody say, that's where the war takes place. And I'm going to win it. I'm going to win it. In the name of the Lord. If you look up on the screen, we're going to go to the book of Isaiah, chapter number 26. Isaiah 26 in the NIV says, in that day this song will be sung in the land of Judah. There's Judah again. We have a strong city. God makes salvation its walls and ramparts. Open the gates that the righteous nation may enter, the nation that keeps faith. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Verse 4, trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord, the Lord himself, is the rock eternal. He humbles those who dwell on high. He lays the lofty city low. He levels it to the ground and casts it down to the dust. Feet trample it down, the feet of the oppressed, the footsteps of the poor, the path of the righteous is level. You, the upright ones, make the way of the righteous smooth. Verse number 8, yes, Lord, walking in the way of your laws, we wait for you. Your name and and renown are the desire of our hearts. My soul yearns for you in the night. In the morning, my spirit longs for you. When your judgments come upon the earth, the people of the world learn righteousness. But when grace is shown to the wicked, they do not learn righteousness. Even in the land of uprightness, they go on doing evil and do not regard the majesty of the Lord. Verse number 11 says, Lord, your hand is lifted high, but they do not see it. Let them see your zeal for your people and be put to shame. Let the fire reserved for your enemies consume them. Lord, you establish peace for us. All that we have accomplished, you have done for us. Somebody said, if it hadn't been for the Lord, I wouldn't be here tonight. He's done great things for me. Amen? He's done great things for me. Lord, let us do real good tonight. Let us preach good. Let us talk good about you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated. If you can wait till I make about four or five points here tonight, we got ice cream waiting on you. Some of you people need ice cream like I do. But it's the people that really don't need it that love it. It's Bluebell. I think what's needed most of our lives and most of our lives is for someone to say, you ready? It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. A commercial airline pilot on one occasion made a particularly bad landing in the wheels of the big jet hit the runway with a jamming thud, a jarring thud. And afterward, the airline had a policy that if that happened, they requested that the pilot stand at the door while the passengers exited, and he was to give each of them a smile and say, thanks for flying with us today. But in light of the bad landing, he had a hard time looking at the passengers in the eye, thinking that someone would have a smart comment, but no one seemed to be annoyed. They all greeted him and walked out. Finally, everyone had gotten off the plane except one little old lady walking with a cane. She approached the pilot and asked, sorry, I need to ask you a question. Sonny, I got to ask you, 
He said, ma'am, you can ask anything you want to ask. She said, did we land or were we shot down? That ruined his day. At the historic st- side of Appomattox, one can hear some amazing stories. <clears throat> one of them goes like this. Wilmer McLean owned a home near Bull Run, and his house was seriously damaged during the opening battle of the Civil War. And so, falsely believing that he would be safe from future conflicts, he rebuilt his home, only to have it destroyed during the second battle of Bull Run. Disgusted, he moved to a part of the country where he felt he could escape the ravages of war. So he picked a small, obscure community called Appomattox. And when Lee surrendered to Grant, it was McLean's house that was used by the two generals to sign the historic terms of surrender. You've heard it as the Appomattox Courthouse, but it was actually McLean's house. But their aides, Lee and Grant's aides, were so moved by the signing that they desired a memento of the occasion. So everybody wanted to take a souvenir to remember what had taken place in this house. And so they all walked off with a piece of furniture from McLean's house. He had no furniture left. No matter where that man ran, he could not escape conflict. No matter where he was, he could never seem to find peace. I find it difficult in this hour because the Lord wants to give us all peace. It's his desire that we not walk in conflict, that we not walk with sorrow and sadness. It's the will of God for us to have peace. People have sought peace for generations. They have rallied for it. They've bargained for it. They've compromised for it. They've even fought for it. It seems like the Middle East don't understand how to find peace. They presume that if they ever create a world where there is no trouble, no difficulty, no conflict, then and only then they can have what they call perfect peace. But Jesus tells us in John 16, 33, in this world you will experience trouble. It's going to happen. Paul wrote it this way in 1 Uh, Peter wrote it this way in 1 Peter 4 and 12. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you're suffering. Though something strange were happening to you. In other words, he said the trials that you're going through is not strange things happening to you. Trials are going to come. You're going to be tested with fiery trials. You're going to be tested with divers trials. There's going to be things that's going to happen. One is never going to reach a place in this world where one will be, where there will be no trouble, no difficulties, no conflicts. Let's pause here a minute. Some of you need to exhale with me right now. Come on, let's exhale right now. It's never going to happen. You're going to have difficulties. You're going to have conflicts. You're going to have trouble. Man that's born of woman's but a few days and full of trouble. And the circumstance of conflict and trouble will sooner and later invade your life. You won't read about it all the time in the paper. It's going to come to your life. You won't always watch it on the news. It'll come to your life. It won't always be something that somebody told you. It'll come to your life. But you can choose how you will deal with the circumstances right now. The Bible said in the book of Daniel that Daniel purposed. Everybody say purpose. 
he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself ever in Babylon. He would never defile himself. He would never be a victim of the king of Babylon. And that was in the very first chapter before anything ever happened. There wasn't a lion's den yet. There wasn't somebody trying to change his name yet. There wasn't somebody trying to get him to eat the king's meat yet. There wasn't somebody trying to make him compromise yet. But before he ever got into the situation, he purposed, oh, hallelujah, in his heart that he would not ever defile himself. I think you can go on record on the 17th day of July right now and say, you know what? I don't care what comes tomorrow, what comes the next day, or what comes before the weekend. I have made up my mind. I choose to do the right thing in my life because I'm going to have peace in my heart and in my mind for the rest of my day. Say it right now. Amen. I choose that. I purpose that right now. Victor Frankel was a Jewish medical doctor during the 30s, 1930s, and, Vic, and Frankel was a pioneer of modern-day psychotherapy. And he developed much of his theory for psychotherapy while a prisoner during World War II in the concentration camps while arrested in prison along with other Jews. As a medical doctor, he was put to work treating other prisoners. And while serving in that capacity, he had an opportunity to observe people under the most trying and stressing circumstances. He saw people as they lived, really, and he saw them as they died, really. And he had expected that people who were weak would die and those who were strong would survive. Now get this. If they were weak, he thought they would die. If they were strong, he thought they'd survive. However, it wasn't always true and it caused Frankel to wonder if there wasn't something else involved. And what he observed became the source of what he called his logotherapy. Logotherapy. And he noticed that those who lived had one thing in common. Watch this. They had chosen to live. rather than die. Everybody say, I choose to live. I choose to be a Christian. I choose to be happy. I choose to let joy flow in my life. I make that choice. I vote my ballot box. I don't have a dangling chad. I choose. I make the choice to be what I want to be in God. So he found when everything else had been taken, friends, food, dignity, health, the one thing that their captors could not take away was the power of choice. Wow. The choice to live. The choice to live. According to Frankel, the last of man's inalienable rights was the right of the individual to choose how they would respond on any given situation. So Victor Frankel said this, and I have it on the screen. He said, you cannot always control your circumstances. But you have the power to control your response to your circumstances. You need to write that down. You need to put that on your refrigerator. You don't always control your circumstances. But you do have the power to control your response to your circumstances. I need a, I need a, a just a hallelujah amen right now. I need an amen right now. In other words, you, if, you can have peace because you choose peace. You pursue peace. Psalms 34 and 14 says, seek peace and pursue it. Seek peace and pursue it. So I'm going to make four little old points here tonight. Just four little old points. A, B, C, D. One, two, three, four. Then we're going to eat ice cream. 
But I hope that I can get unwound a little bit here tonight because I'm feeling this in my soul right now. What kind of peace should we pursue? Jesus said, John 14, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Hallelujah. Anybody afraid of what's going on in the world today? It gets a little scary sometimes, doesn't it? But he said, do not be troubled. In fact, he said earlier in that same chapter, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. The cure for a troubled heart is faith in God. This is the peace of Jesus. It's a peace where my heart isn't troubled. It's a peace where I'm not afraid. It's not like the world's peace because the world's peace is based upon what my circumstances are. If my life goes badly, then I'll be sad or angry. If things go well, only then will I be pleased. That's the only peace the world knows. But this peace from Jesus is different. His peace is my promise in spite of my circumstances. His peace is my promise in spite of my circumstances. In fact, as Paul writes it, it, it transcends all understanding. Amen. In fact, the Bible said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall what? Inherit the earth. There's nothing greater than having peace. I know that the peace of Jesus Christ does not make sense to the world. But it's amazing how we can go through death and tragedies in church and come and do funerals and walk out and say, the Lord is still my shepherd. And I don't need a thing. He is the one that gives me a peace that passeth understanding. I'll never forget. I'll never forget when, when I lost my family. I, I was behind a big old 18-wheeler one day, and it was raining. And I've told this story, but I was behind a huge 18-wheeler. And you know how those 18-wheelers can stir up the rain, and it, it'll make the windshield even greater than the rain, greater on your windshield than just a normal rain. And I could not see, and it was a blind turn and it was a blind a lane that I was going around and finally I, I, I thought I saw a little clearing but just before I passed that truck I thought what in the world is he doing what's he hauling in that truck what's he doing out on a rainy day like this he ought to get off the highway and let us cars run and I got to thinking wonder what's in that truck wonder what he's hauling what is he what contraband is he hauling contraband is he hauling something illegal what's he got in there I don't want to be behind him anymore and all of a sudden, I just I hit passing gear, and I got out beside that truck, and I passed him, and I got on the other side, and the thing that I did not understand was behind me. And here's what I want to tell you. I still don't know what I passed, but he gave me a piece that passed understanding. There's sometimes you just got to trust the Lord. And say, Lord, I don't know what is in my world. I don't know why that I'm feeling what I'm feeling. But can you give me a passing gear to get past the things that I don't understand in life? I'm telling you, God can give you a pass over understanding and a peace beyond understanding. I believe that with all my heart. That's the peace that only Jesus can give. 
Isaiah 26 and 3 said, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. Everybody say, I trust in the Lord. That's point number one. Jesus' peace is like no other peace. Number two, what's this peace like? How will you know when you have it? I'm going to give you a very simple answer. Psalms 119, 165 in the NIV says, Great peace have they who love your law, and nothing can make them stumble. You won't stumble through life. The way you know when you have the peace of God is that nothing, everybody say nothing, nothing. will make you stumble. Nothing will make you trip and fall. Nothing will make you stumble in life. You will continue. You know, Nebuchadnezzar had those Hebrew boys, and he said, when the trumpet blows, I want everybody to bow down and worship me. And the trumpet blew, and everybody in the kingdom bowed down to worship Nebuchadnezzar except those three boys. They stood there. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego just stood there, just looking around. And he said, did you not hear? And I'm going to kind of put Johnson terminology. He said, did you not hear the horn? Did you not see what everybody else did? And those boys looked at him and said, sir, yes, sir, we heard the horn, and we saw what everybody else did. But we're, we're going to tell you something, sir. We, we're, we don't need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, we will serve God who is able to save us from it. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. What they didn't do, folks, they never stumbled. They said, we're not even... We're not even worried about talking back to you, sir, because we don't bow down to your God. We don't bow down to your image. We bow down to one God. Jehovah is his name. And if you throw us in, throw us in. They heated the fire seven times hotter, and the people that threw them in died. But when they got down in the midst of the fire, somebody looked in, the king looked in and said, whoa, I see something down there. I see the form of a fourth man in the fire. I see something that has a look of the son of God in the fire. I'm going to tell you something. It does not matter what you go through in life. Here's the joy of it. The Hebrew boys never saw what the king saw. But when you're going through the crisis of your life, Understand that God will take you through the fire. God will take you through the water. God will take you over every mountain. He'll take you through every valley. You may not see him walking there, but the people that threw you in there will see that there's a God that's going to take care of you in that situation. How do they have the strength? How do they have the stamina? I'll tell you how. It's a God that causes us not to stumble. We're not going to stumble. It's pretty simple. But boy, it's powerful. That God's not going to let us stumble. I love that. Even if God doesn't rescue us, we'll not bow down, we'll not fall down, we'll not stumble before your idols. That, my friends, the peace of God. Even if he doesn't rescue me, I will not stumble. 
It doesn't mean we're not scared. We get scared sometimes. But it does mean that even when you're scared, you won't even think of turning. You won't consider giving up because your trust will be in God, not in your circumstances. So how do you know you have the peace? Everybody say, I will not stumble. I'm not going to stumble. I'm going to keep walking. I don't understand things that's happened. I don't understand things that's happened to our church recently, some of the deaths that's happened, and some of the things that's taken place, and some of the things that's happened to our families. But I'm here to tell you, I'm not going to stumble. Say amen. Amen. The third thing I'm going to tell you, you're going to get ice cream early tonight. That's not the third thing I'm going to tell you. So how do I get this peace? How do I pursue it? How do I get that peace? How do I pursue it? Isaiah 26 tells us, 1 through 3, in that day, I read the text, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. God makes salvation its walls and its ramparts. Open the gates that the righteous nation may enter, the nation that keeps faith. You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. Everybody say, God makes salvation, the walls, and the ramparts of the city. Hallelujah. We've got salvation all around us. In verse 1, we're told we have a strong city. Everybody say, we have a strong city. I just say we have a strong church. This is the city of God right here. We have a strong congregation. The imagery God is using is that of a safety and peace inside the walls of a city. In other words, if you're going to find God's peace and security, you've got to get inside the walls. You can't be outside the walls. If you're going to go through a storm, you've got to get in the ark. You know, I'd rather put up with the smell in the ark than the storm outside the ark. You're not, everything is not going to go right in church. Oh, I could preach right now. Everything's not going to always be right in church, but I promise you, being on the inside of the walls is a whole lot better than being on the outside when we're living this close to the trump of God right now. It's a great place to be in the inside of the church of the living God. This thing is predestined. It's going to heaven. In other words, you have to be where he wants you to be. Now, I know I'm preaching to the choir, but part of that means being in church. And you're here, God, on a Wednesday night when it's raining. But the Bible said where two or three are gathered together in my name. I am in the midst of them. God's church can be and is a strong city with Jesus Christ sitting right in the middle of us. God's peace is here because Jesus is here. It's a spiritual reality. You know what we ought to do? The unseen guest is the Lord Jesus Christ tonight. You know what we ought to do? We ought to give him a hand clap of appreciation because of what he's done for us. We ought to just clap for him. We ought to just clap for the Lord because of what he's done for us. There is a river. 
the streams thereof make glad the city of God. There is a river. Woo Hallelujah. But there is a practical aspect as well. I just told you the spiritual reality, but there's a practical aspect. When you go to church, you can find God's peace because there are other Christians to model yourself after. You don't have to look far to find somebody that is an awesome, awesome Christian in Christian Life Church. I'm bragging on the saints. I'm boasting on the saints here tonight. I'm proud of you. I'm happy that you'll come to church on Wednesday night. A lot of churches are closed Wednesday night down because nobody wants to go. You that are visiting, you better be glad it's summer. In the fall, you'd have a hard time getting a seat because our people love church. We love church, huh? We love the house of God. And when you model yourself after other faithful believers, you're guaranteed peace. Paul wrote it this way in Philippians 4 and 9. I love Philippians. He said, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. In other words, whatever you've seen me do, put it into practice and God of peace will be with you. If you can find somebody that's got the peace of God, emulate them. He said, I want to do like them. If they pray, I'm going to pray. If they worship, I'm going to worship. If they smile, I'm going to smile. What are you doing? You're trying to be a hypocrite? No, no, no. I'm going to emulate somebody that's got it. If somebody's got it, they're going to turn around. I'm going to bump into them because if they stop, I'm right behind them. I'm going to follow people that know how to have the peace of God in this hour. You hear me, folks? The mind, the mind is the battlefield of hell. Hell wants to destroy the peace of God in our mind. Hell wants to take us away from the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. Hell wants us to not have the happiness and contentment that God wants us to have. But I say it's a choice, and I have determined a long time ago, whatever my circumstance, I've already made the decision. I've made my choice, and I'm going to live my choice. Amen? Amen. Let me hurry. How does it work? It works because people you hang around with shape your life. If I spend my time reading great books, I'll have a great mind. If I spend my time watching MTV, I'll begin to think like those people. Here's an example. How many of you notice that once in a while, I slip into that West Texas accent? How many believe that I talk that way all the time? I slip in that West Texas that's my raising. See, I was raised in West Texas. And, 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 and when I go places, people say, okay, you're from Texas. That's right. But you're not from just any Texas. You're West Texas. Really? How'd you know? Peter stands before the fire. Somebody says, are you one of them? He said, Lord, no, I ain't one of them. <laughs> said, yeah, you are. Your speech betrays you. You're one of them. Why don't you just go ahead and be one of them? I love being from West Texas. I wouldn't go back. Because I found Austin. But don't take West Texas dialect away from me. But when I was growing up, one of my favorite shows on TV was the Andy Griffith show. I loved Andy. Y'all like Andy? I love Andy. You like Barney? One bullet, Barney? Goober and Go Gomer and Fred the Barber, Aunt B and Opie. Some of our kids today that's walking around with no fear t-shirts and got their pants hanging about halfway down, they need to look at Opie. They need to put a fishing pole over their back and pull their pants up and roll their breeches legs up instead of pulling them down. 
and go fishing with Andy Griffith, the sheriff. They need to go, they need to, you know what I'm saying? Andy Griffith formed my, he formed my belief systems. <laughs> I wanted to be like Andy. I really did. I wanted to be like Andy. I wanted to be kind. I wanted to be caring. Even with an old boy that got drunk, I had to put him in jail one night. I wanted to be kind with him because he had a soul. He had a heart. And I loved Andy Griffith. I loved him. And I identify so strongly with his character that ever since, sometimes I slip into a southern drawl like Andy. I can, I can talk like him. I, I really can. I can talk like Barney. I'm not going to do it tonight. I can talk like Gomer. I got Gomer in. I got some, I got some Gomer pile in this dialect. I got some Gomer. Goober. Judy, 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 Judy. I can talk like those boys. I loved them. That's why if I want to be skilled in any given trade, I need to find somebody who I can apprentice myself to to develop the skills and watch them be the master at it and I can become somebody. Or I will, if I go to college and learn from teachers who help me think the way I ought to think, then to prepare for my occupation of my choice, that helps me. Too often we don't have peace in our lives because we listen to the wrong things and we follow the wrong people. We watch the wrong TV programs. We read the wrong kind of books and magazines. And I'm not trying to preach holiness tonight, but I'm telling you, you can't fill your mind with violence on television and have peace. You can't fill your mind with scary horror shows and have peace. You're going to be scared to death. Don't watch those things and don't do that and then go to bed and say, Oh, God, I can't sleep. And then call the preacher at 2 in the morning saying, I can't sleep. I know why you can't sleep. You've been feeding your mind on the wrong thing. Let me tell you how to go to sleep. Get you a little warm milk. Drink it. Start reading the 23rd Psalm. Time you get to verse 6, you're out. Because great peace have they that love thy law. And nothing shall offend them. I'm telling you, if you follow the right people, if you follow the right things, if you watch the right things and feed your soul with the right things, you're going to find a peace in the house of God. Amen? Well, I get on Hollywood tonight, but I'm not. Bad company. First Corinthians says, corrupts good manners, good character. You know, David was anointed one day. David was anointed. You remember when Samuel anointed him? He lined up all of Jesse's boys, and he went by them one time and twice. He said, do you have another son? He said, yeah, I do. He said, bring him in here. So he brought him in, and Samuel said, this is he. This is, this is the one. And God said, anoint him. So Samuel poured the oil on him, and David was anointed. Now, what you don't understand is that he was anointed, but he wasn't crowned yet. There's a little space between your anointing and your crowning. When you walk in an anointed church, you get anointed. But there is some distance between your anointing and your crowning. And you got to get that. you got to understand that. And here's what I want to tell you. In the, in the middle between David's anointing and his crowning, he found himself in a cave called Adullam. And if you read 1 Samuel chapter 22, there was 400 men that came to have church with him. And they were in debt, and they were discontented. 
and they were discouraged. And here's, here's what I want to tell you. David allowed those 400 men's spirit to warp him into their thinking instead of changing their spirits into what he was, an anointed man. Sometimes we think we're stronger than we are. You need the house of God. You need to be in worship sessions. You need to sing with all your heart when the choir and the praise singers are singing. You need to respond to the touch of God in your life because we may not be as strong as we think we are when we get around men in the cave of Adullam. Your workplace don't need to bring you down. Your workplace don't need to discourage you. Your workplace does not need to bring you the downers in life. You need to have joy unspeakable. You need to have peace that passeth understanding. You need to have the love of God in your life wherever you are. You need to show your anointing to them instead of them showing their discouragement and downtimes to you. And if you can't live around that, Separate yourself from that to a point where you come back and get your joy and get your peace and get your contentment and get your happiness going again. Because I'm telling you, the world is not the church and the church is not the world. But we are the light of the world. We're a city set on a hill that cannot be hid. You need, you need to have the joy of the Lord in your life. Amen. I went to church last night, cowboy church last night. I'm almost through. I went to cowboy church last night down in Harper, Texas. And I heard a great sermon last night by, by the wonderful pastor there, Brother Mike Weaver. His parents go to this church, and he's a wonderful Christian, a great, great man. And when I left there, I just felt good. I just felt good about life. I thought, wow, I could be home tonight watching the All-Star game. It wasn't nothing. Three to nothing. The National League didn't even get a run. How's that for All-Star batting? Think about it, Saints. When you're the All-Stars of the National League and you can't get one run, you're pretty bad. <laughs> you know what? When I come in and just watch the highlights of it, I I kind of got discouraged. I thought people pay their money to watch these guys. These are the best of the best. They can't scratch one run. Nobody can, nobody can hit a gapper. Nobody can hit a bunt single. Nobody can get on. They had three hits for the night. The all-stars. Oh, but Pastor, you don't understand pitching rules. Yeah, I know. I know that. But if you're an all-star, you ought to be able to get a hit every now and then. Just scare one up every now and then. Think about it, saints. Think about it. If you're a Christian, you ought to be having a little peace every now and then, just every now and then. You don't need to go all day long with your da dapper down and everything going wrong. You're all stars. You've been, you've been saved. You've been washed in the blood. You've been covered by the Spirit of God. You've been filled with His glory. You know, every now and then, there ought to be a smile on your face. You ought to say, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to stumble. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it to heaven. I'm going to live this life. Wow, I didn't even mean to make that illustration, but it is a good one. This is an all-star. This is a good church. It's a great church. We need people that love God with all their hearts and all their soul and all their mind and make their choice to be peaceful people. Peace of God shall rule your hearts and your mind. Lastly, if you want God's kind of peace in your life, you've got to learn to trust. Everybody say, trust God. <laughs> Amen. Everybody say, we need Jesus' peace. 
makes us not stumble. We get it by coming into his presence and by emulating people. And number four, we have to learn to trust God. Everybody say trust him. Remember that old song? Anybody, anybody, anybody old time Pentecost? Only trust him. Only trust him. Only trust him now. He will save you. He will save you. He will save you now. Anybody know that song? It's hard. Let's sing it again. Only trust him. Only trust him. Only trust him now. He will save you. He will save you. He will save you now. Wow. That sound good or what? We've got to learn to trust him. Because if you don't trust God, you'll not have peace. God will keep in perfect peace who, him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. Isaiah 26, 3. Years ago, I pastored a man in Dallas that was a superman in his own mind. I took the church when I was 25. I didn't know how to spell pastor. There was nothing he felt he could not do mentally. He was Mensa material in his mind. Not mine, but in his. Physically, he was strong, champion wrestler in his high school, according to him, not me, according to him. Never had played golf, but he continued to let me know if he ever took it up, he could whip me in a couple of weeks. <laughs> Confidence just seemed to float out of him like a river. One day, the men of the church went fishing in a huge pond of water that was stocked with wonderful fish, and we the man that had this pond had some flat bottom boats that were used for the event so we'd take turns he had about six of these flat bottom boats because he entertained parties from time to time let these men go out and fish in his pond and as expected I got in the boat with the champion of all men first question I asked him can you swim very well was the response I'm a long distance swimmer done it all my life so we started fishing he decided to change positions in the boat well the flat bottom boat started rocking because he wasn't the lightest thing that ever came down the pike and I forgot to mention he wasn't really coordinated he flopped in the boat we lost our balance before you know it I was trying to lean the other direction he outweighed me he took the boat over he immediately panicked. When he hit the water, I didn't see those long, graceful strokes. I didn't see a dog paddle. I didn't see the butterfly. I saw pure, unadulterated panic. The boy was panicking. Though the boat was upside down, it was still floating. All you had to do was grab hold of the boat. It was fine. Just, the boat will hold you up. He was bigger than me, and in his panic, he reached over to me in the water and grabbed me, and I couldn't get away from him. And he pulled me under. Now, while under the water, I had several thoughts. Number one, I'm going to die. That's the first thought I thought, I'm going to die. This thing's over. 
Number two, he's a liar. He can't swim. <laughs> Number three, I will never take him golfing. <laughs> These are thoughts. Number four, he's not even smart. Because if he was smart, he'd grab a hold of the boat and wouldn't try to drown his pastor. <laughs> the only thing that was true was that he was strong. I like to never got away from him. But the second truth is I had to get away from him. So I finally did. I came up about 10 feet from him, and here he started coming again. He was after me. <laughs> he was ch chasing me. And I got someone from another boat to throw an inner tube, one of those big old tire inner tubes from another boat. It, I, and when we got out there, I just kind of rolled it over him. I didn't need an inner tube. I, I didn't need him. <laughs> I didn't want him around me. But when I flipped that inner tube over him, now claustrophobia set in. The inner tube wasn't quite big enough. And, and, and so he's trying to get his arm up, and, and he thought he was going to roll over. And that inner tube would never roll over, but he couldn't get his arm up through it, so he was having to hold on like this from under, and his head was up. And he wanted to put his whole body on top. He wanted to get his body up. But all you have to have is your mouth above the water. Here he came, still panicking. I'm telling you, behind anything I've ever seen in my life. Ah! That's why he was screaming at me. I backed away, and I had a little paddle or something in my hand. I forget what it was. I had a little something in my hand, and I hit that inner tube, whopped as hard as I could. He looked up. I said, listen to me. Ah! I said, listen to me. I had to scream it about seven times. Listen to me. He finally looked at me and he said, what? <laughs> He's holding on. He's got his head up like this. He's dying. I said, do you trust me? Do you trust me? He said, what kind of question's that? I said, I want to know, do you trust me? I'm your pastor. Do you trust me? He said, well, it kind of need to be that way right now. <laughs> I said, no, 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 no. Do you trust me? He said, yes, 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 I trust you. I said, okay, hold on. Just hold, just hold that pose right there. If you trust me, you're going to see your kids again. If you trust me, you're going to get out of this water. But if you don't trust me, you're not going to get out of this water. I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. So I, I, swam, I swam around behind him. He said, where are you going? Where are you going? He couldn't turn around in the water. He's afraid he's going to go under. He had an inner tube, folks, that had 50 pounds of air in it. It was swole up. I got around behind him, and I started pushing that inner tube slowly to the shore. He didn't even know where he was moving. It was so imperceptibly slow. And I was just paddling a little bit. Of course, I was hanging on. Thank God I finally had something to hold on to myself. <laughs> I said, don't turn around. Don't look at me. Don't you look at me. You look, you look to the shore. You look, we're going home. We got to the shore. Then he hugged me. I said, you don't have to hug me. No, I want to hug you. 
Then he started confessing, I, I'm sorry, I lied about my swimming. I really wasn't that good of a wrestler. I was just a big old boy, and I was bigger than everybody else. Well, what about golf? I don't ever want to play golf. He started confessing everything. And I got him to the shore, and I said, you know how we got here? He said, yeah, you got us here. I said, no, you trusted that I could get you here, and I got you here. I want to tell the congregation here tonight. I want to tell you something. It's not trusting a pastor. I know you love me. You come to church and hear me preach, but you need to trust him. You need to trust him. You need to trust the Lord in your life. You need to believe that God is not going to leave you here without any hope. He said, I will never, 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 in the Greek, five times, leave you. I will never, 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 never forsake you. But I will be with you always, even to the end. Now, will you turn around and face the finish line? And let me be your God and give you boost. And let's go home together. Would you trust me to be your God? You're not going to drown. You're not going under. You're going over. Would you trust me? Because when you trust that God, you'll have a peace. You will have a peace. He's not going to leave you where he found you. You'll see your kid. You'll see your parents. We're going to heaven together. We're going to see the other side of glory someday. We're going to walk in white someday. We're going to shout the victory on the hills of glory someday. We're going to the other side of the rainbow. We're going. You've got to trust him. You've just got to trust him. Wow, wow, do you trust the Lord? Do you really, really, really trust him? Stand to your feet. God have mercy. That guy, I left that pastorate in 1982 and I was in the state of Florida preaching a camp meeting in Florida in 1999 or something like that toward the end of the 20th century the turn of the century and I look up one night in that huge tabernacle that huge camp and I see this guy walking in in Florida the guy that I saved I said my God I can't get away from him (laughs) he's found me in Florida in the swamps of Florida and you probably want to go challenge me to a swim match tonight or something he walked in sit on the front row he was a superintendent of a school. He was an educator. He sat on the front row. When I preached that night, he walked up to him and he said, you've improved immeasurably. <laughs> and I said to him, been swimming any laps lately? <laughs> I did it. I said it. Then he hugged me, and he used these words, I still trust you. I'm going to tell you something. All the way from the late 70s to the late 90s, I hadn't seen him. Hadn't been around him because he moved to Florida a long time ago. And he walked in on a camp meeting, 
and he, he, uh, we had a laugh. But here, here's what I want to tell you. That's 20 years, 19, 18 years. And he still remembered a trust call. He still remembered. It doesn't matter how long you live for God. There was a day when you said, I'm going to trust him. And if you trust him, you trust him in the good times and the bad times. Kind of like, we got to go. Kind of like Oliver Cromwell, he sent one of his, his aides to, to France to work out a, a treaty and work out some compromise with the French government. And the ambassador that Cromwell had sent, in those days, a servant slept in the same room in another part of the room, but he slept in the same room. And, and the servant was sound asleep that night, and the, and the, and the magistrate, the man that was going, to represent, was going to represent Oliver Cromwell in the government of England, was nervous that he, he couldn't sleep. Finally, he went over woke the servant up, and he said, Servant, called him by name. He said, I can't sleep. I'm worried about tomorrow. I'm worried about what's going to happen tomorrow. I'm, fr I'm frightened. I'm, I'm, I'm stressed about tomorrow. And the servant got up and looked at him, and he said, Sir, i got to ask you two questions. He said, Okay. So number one, before, the, before you was born, do you think the Lord took care of everything? He said, yeah, I do. He said, after you die, you think he'll take care of everything? He said, yes, I do. He said, sir, if he took care of it before you was born, he told him going to take care of it after you die. I think he might take care of it right now. Welcome back. Peace, 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 peace. So let's sing it. Peace, peace. Sing it. Wonderful peace coming down. And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks again for listening.